Well, hey, everyone, we have been in a series for the last few weeks called Out of the Shallows, where we have been talking about getting out of the shallows of our faith and into the depths of all that God has for us. And that goes for everyone that's watching today, whether you're out there and you might consider yourself a curious skeptic, you're just kind of trying to decide if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and is wanting to do the things for you that he says he can do, or maybe you're here and you might call yourself a hungry novice. You might be new to faith, you might be new to following Jesus. And you're just trying to figure out how to go deeper today. Or maybe you're out there and you might consider yourself a restless veteran that you've been following Christ for a long time. And maybe at times you felt like you've been deep, but maybe right now you feel like you're in a little bit of a rut and you want to know how to get out of it. And we started out this whole series by talking about this idea of feeding ourselves, that it's time for us to take the baby bottle and put it down and pick up a fork and begin to feed ourselves. And then in week two, we talked about the fact that it's not enough just to feed ourselves because if we uh, don't do it the right way, we might find ourselves spiritually fat instead of spiritually fit. And so we talked about getting our dad bods into shape, if you can recall that. And then the following week, we were introduced to this concept that we is greater than me, that the we in your life, the people that are helping you grow closer to God are gonna help you get so much further out into the depths than you could possibly get on your own. And today we're going to talk about a fourth thing that we can do. And before we do that, I just want to let you know right out of the gate that this one is probably the hardest. It's it's not going to be easy. But if we can figure out today how to execute this one on a regular basis in our lives, we're going to find that we have the greatest potential to go into the depths of all that God has for us. And so to get us there today, I wanna tell you a personal story from my life. It comes from when I was in eighth grade. I was going to band class one day and in our band room, there was a band closet with all the instruments in it. And we would go in there, we would get our instrument ready and then we would go to band class for the day. And one day in particular, when I was in eighth grade, I remember this so clearly. I went into the band closet, I got my instrument ready, and as I turned to leave to go to class, boom, right there in my face is one of my classmates. Now, this particular classmate was not one that I spent a whole lot of time engaging with, um, but there he was, right in my face, and I'll never forget what he said to me in that moment. He said this, hey, idiot, I'm getting really sick and tired of you. And of course, my initial reaction was, I'm not sure what's going on. Like, why? What's going on? We hardly ever interact, right? Um, But then I'll never forget the next thing he said, like word for word. He said to me this, you're a Bible-thumping Christian that wants everybody to become a Christian just like you, aren't you? And I remember thinking in that moment, um, yes, I do actually, like, I love the Bible, yeah, you bet. And um, I I feel like my parents and my church, like, they raised me pretty well to, to let, like, lead me in letting other people know that this whole Jesus thing, that the life that he has for us, the love that he has for us, that's for everybody. So, yeah, I do think I want everybody to know that truth. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't really remember anything else he said after that at that point, but I do recall two specific things. I recall, first of all, that he used a lot of words that uh, I will not repeat at this time. But the second thing I remember is I remember looking past him and behind him and a whole bunch of my classmates, my other band classmates had gathered around and uh, they were standing there, eyes and mouths wide open in disbelief of what was happening. And the reason that I remember this like 20 plus years later is because I I had tons of emotion in that moment. The first emotion I remember feeling, I I just remember feeling lonely. I remember feeling alone, like why is nobody that's watching this jumping into my aid? 
I also remember feeling super embarrassed that everybody was seeing this happen and I didn't know how to respond. And then I also remember a third emotion of being angry. Like, why am I in this conversation? I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. I, I just didn't know how to respond. And that those emotions welled up inside of me and they created an event in me that I've remembered for so many years at this point for one simple reason. And that's the fact that that was the first time in my entire life that following Jesus cost me something. And you know what I've discovered in the 20 plus years since then? It would not be the last time that following Jesus would cost me something. And if you're watching today and you are a Christian, or maybe you're watching and you just, you know of Christians in your life, you've probably experienced at some point that following Jesus can be a little bit unpopular. I mean, you know what this is like. Like for you guys, when you were single and you were hanging out with the guys, it wasn't always the most popular thing to be the guy that goes, hey guys, that girl, like when you're talking about girls, that girl is so hot. Like I cannot wait to hold her hand and guard her heart. Am I right, fellas? Like that ain't gonna get you any high fives, right? Um, Or maybe like you're sitting around at work with your coworkers and everybody's talking about all these things that they wanna get that they don't really have the money to buy. They wanna get the nicest houses and the coolest cars and they wanna get that boat or whatever. And you're the guy going, man, I feel like Jesus is calling me to live within my financial means so that I can support my local church. That's not always the most popular thing in the world. Or maybe you've discovered that following Jesus can be a little bit difficult. Like for example, it's difficult to follow Jesus when you want to do something that you can't do or you can't do something that you uh, want to do. And uh, like for example, like loving our neighbor. Jesus calls us to love our neighbor. That includes your actual neighbor. It includes family members. It includes coworkers. But when you come in contact with that person that maybe has a different belief system than you, how do you continue to love that person? That's a little bit difficult, am I right? Or when you think about the fact that Jesus calls us to sacrificial generosity, and there's somebody in our lives that that we need to be generous with, that that needs something, and that comes in conflict with the fact that we want to go buy something for ourselves, like, that feels a little bit difficult. Or maybe you've experienced that following Jesus can feel a little bit risky. I remember feeling that about 10 years ago, my wife and I, we decided to move our family estate away to uh, several hours away from everything that we knew. We knew a lot of people and we had a lot of friends and family in the area that we were in, but we felt like God's vision for our future was that we go and, and be part of a ministry where we didn't know anybody and we didn't know anything. That felt risky. Maybe you feel like God has a vision for your future that doesn't exactly go along with the vision for the future that you have for yourself. That can feel risky or when you feel like God is calling you to go public with the fact that you're a Christ follower, that can feel risky. Or inviting somebody to church, that can feel risky. Or maybe you've discovered that following Jesus can just feel downright inconvenient. Like it's not convenient, right? Whenever um, we're doing a series called Out of the Shallows and like the first week we're talking about the fact that if we wanna go deeper, we might have to make some sacrifices that you know, you might have to go to bed earlier one night so you can get up earlier in the morning and spend time reading the Bible and spend time in prayer so you can grow in your faith. That feels a little bit inconvenient. So we've probably all experienced at times that following Jesus can be unpopular, difficult, risky, and downright inconvenient. And over time, reality can begin to set in rationality can begin to set in for us, and we might find ourselves, myself including, asking this question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Now, I'm not asking, is it worth it to believe in Jesus? 
I mean, if you're here today and, and you're asking uh, that question, that's okay. That's a great question to be asking. Um, but I'm, asking, I'm actually asking, is it worth it to really follow Jesus, to really actually be all in? Because let's face it, being in the shallows, that is safe, that is well-populated, and that is easy. But if we want to follow Jesus, like really be all in, that's going to be unpopular, difficult, risky, and downright inconvenient at times. And I think the problem for so many of us, myself included, is that when it comes to the question of is it worth it, we struggle to find a compelling answer. And so therefore, we struggle to actually take that leap and really go into the depths of who God is. Now, speaking of taking that leap, my wife and I, we actually made a trip to Minnesota last month uh, because we lived there for several years and we have a lot of really good friends and we wanted to go visit them. And while we were there, we decided to spend a day at a place called the Quarry where you can do some cliff jumping. And so we went there with a friend of ours and her uh, two young girls to go cliff jumping this day. And while we were there, I can remember, it's like this big circle uh, of water with cliffs all around it. Um, and on one side, there are like the shallow rocks, like you can jump off little tiny rocks into the water. And um, on the other side, as you come around, the, the cliffs get higher and higher until you reach like the peak one. And I remember standing at the, the top of the, the big one at one point and just observing people. And I saw three different types of people. Across on the other side, you had the type of person that was just kind of standing on the shore, the people that were just there to observe and watch everybody else. They weren't really going to take any risks. They weren't really going to do anything crazy. They might jump in and swim every once in a while, but they were mostly just there to observe. And then you had the kind of people that were jumping off like the, the medium-sized cliffs, like the 10-foot high ones or, or maybe a little bit lower than that. They were just there and having fun in that way. A lot of times you would see those people, I saw it many times with a lot of those people, they would climb up to the top of the highest cliff and they'd stand there and they'd peer over the edge and they'd do this for several minutes and, and debate whether or not they actually wanted to jump. And then almost every time, they would go back down and jump off a lower cliff, and they wouldn't do it. And then, of course, you had the third type of person, the people that were standing on top of the highest cliffs, and they were jumping off, and they were having the time of their lives. They were doing backflips and front flips and dives, you name it. It was crazy, and they were having an adventure. Now, one of these young girls that was with us, her name's Millie. She's seven years old. She right away like, faced her fears and started jumping off some of the medium-sized cliffs, and it was, it was really fun to watch her do this. And several times during the day while we were there, she would venture up to the top of the highest cliff, and she would stand there for three, four, five minutes, and she'd think about jumping, and she'd think about jumping, and she'd think about it, and then every time she would go back down and she would jump off the medium cliffs. And after watching this for quite a while, I went to Millie, and I got down on her level, I got eye to eye with her, and I said, Millie, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about tonight. When you're at home tonight, you're sitting at the dinner table, the, the cliff jumping's all over, you don't have the opportunity to do that anymore, and, and you're sitting around the dinner table and you're thinking about all the fun that you had. I want you to think about what are you gonna feel in that moment if you don't jump off that big cliff? What are you gonna feel? You're gonna wish that you jumped, right? And I could see the wheels in her head turning and she slowly started to nod. And I did what every good friend would do for, for their friend's young kids. I looked her in the eye and I said, Millie, I dare you. And here's what Millie did. She climbed to the top of that cliff, and here is what happened. Check out this video of Millie. There she is at the top of the cliff. I'm standing behind her trying to encourage her. Her mom is in the water counting her down, giving her three, two, one, and there she goes. Look at that. Seven years old, jumping off a 25, 30-foot cliff, and it was pretty incredible. So here's the question that I want to ask you. Which person are you? 
Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you're not a Christian, that's okay. If you're not a Christian, you're watching, that's awesome. We're, we're just glad that you're here. We wanna give you a safe place that you can explore faith and explore Jesus. That's, just, that's why we created this church, was for people like you. You might be the person that's kind of standing on the shore when it comes to following Jesus, standing on the other side in the, on the safe rocks in the safe shore. Or maybe you might say that you're one of those people that I'm kind of a percentage follower of Jesus. I'm kind of like half in. I'll go off kind of the medium-sized cliffs. I'll, I, I've explored jumping off some things and having a little bit of thrills, but every time I go to the top cliff and every time I consider just really jumping all into my faith, I, I back out a little bit. And so today, I want to give you an invitation to make the big leap like seven-year-old Millie did that day. Because the question again is, is it worth it? And I believe that until we find a compelling answer to that question, we're going to struggle to find the, the, the willpower to actually jump off that cliff and experience the depths of God. Or if we have jumped off that cliff, we won't keep doing it because we don't have a compelling answer when things get inconvenient and risky and difficult and unpopular. And so today, I want to look at a couple of words from Jesus that have helped call me all in and have helped call so many other people to be all in to following him. And to do that, we're gonna look at a passage from the book of Matthew. Matthew is a historical narrative of the life of Jesus from Matthew, a guy that was one of his friends. And right before the passage that we're gonna look at, the important parts that we're gonna get to in just a moment, there's a story that you're probably familiar with, you may be familiar with. Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers, and he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter, one of his followers, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And here's what's interesting. Immediately following that, Matthew denotes a shift in Jesus's ministry. This is what Matthew says. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, this would have been a little bit jarring for the disciples at this point, that Jesus is all of a sudden shifting what he's saying. This would be like you're working for an organization, and the CEO, he comes to you, and he says, listen, here in a couple months, we're going we're gonna to take this thing to Washington, D.C. We're going to go to D.C., and while we're there, our stock prices, they're going to plummet. Our market shares, they're going to evaporate. Our board, they're going to quit. Uh, because I'm the CEO, I'm going to jail, and all of your jobs, they're going to be outsourced. And of course, if that's you, if that's your situation, you're going to go, wait a second, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, why would that be our plan? So it's understandable that when Jesus says these things, that Peter responds in a specific way. This is what it says. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. He says, never, Lord. Like, that's not a good plan. Jesus, I don't think I like that plan much. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to go execute that plan. It is not worth it. Not worth it at all. We're not going to go to Jerusalem and have you lay down your life. We're going to go to Jerusalem and you're going to save your life and you're going to save the lives of all of us and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And Jesus responds to Peter with one of the harshest words that is recorded in all of Jesus's history. It says this, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Another translation puts it this way, Peter, you're getting in the way. Which is actually where we started this series together. 
We started by talking about the fact that God wants to do something absolutely amazing in your life and in my life, and way too often, we just get in the way of him doing this. And so here's what Jesus is saying, Peter, listen, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for my life. It's a big plan. It's amazing. It would blow your mind if I could tell you all about it. And yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really inconvenient. But I believe that the plan that God has for me is to accomplish the greatest thing that anybody could ever accomplish in all of history. And I don't want 25% of it. I don't want 50% of it. I don't want 80% of it. I want 100% of the plan that God has for my life. So Peter, get out of my way. And then with that, Jesus turns and heads towards Jerusalem to fulfill that mission that God has for his life. But before he does that, he says one more thing to his followers. And this thing is the thing that they were going to need to hear to end up accomplishing their mission for their lives at one point. And it's the thing that the words that we need to hear today that come all the way through history to us to help us understand that whether we are a curious skeptic or a hungry novice or a restless veteran, these words will determine whether or not we're able to get out of the shallows of our faith and into the depths forever. When Jesus said this to us, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, here's what's ironic about these words. What's ironic is that they didn't know then that Jesus was literally talking about a cross like we know now. We know now, looking back, that we, we know exactly what Jesus was talking about, that he was literally going to go to Jerusalem. He was going to be arrested. He was going to be tried. He was going to be convicted. He was ultimately going to be beaten, and he was literally going to carry a cross up a hill and be killed on that cross. And so Jesus is talking to anybody that's considering following him and saying, listen, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. This is going to be really, really difficult if you want to choose to follow me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. And to which our response might be to him, so then why would I follow? Jesus, if that's what's coming, then why in the world would I follow you? And Jesus answers with the words that I want you to hear today, the words that are the most important words that we could hear uh, today as we're together, and that's this. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, I realize that can be a little bit of a difficult concept for us to grasp today, and so I want to help us grasp it a little bit better with an illustration. So at home, we have a couple of dogs. One of our dogs is Daisy. She's a dachshund. This is Daisy right here. There she is. Aw, how cute. There's Daisy. Um, don't let those eyes fool you. She knows that that look right there will get her anything she ever wants. But this is Daisy, and Daisy has a toy that she absolutely loves. This is her favorite toy in the world. It is this ball right here. She loves this ball. Uh, she chews on this thing all the time. But one of her favorite things in the world to do with this ball is to play with our kids. She, the, our kids will take this ball and they will bounce it against the wall of our living room for hours. And she will, they'll bounce it up in the air and she'll try and catch it in midair. And she's gotten pretty good at it. It's pretty impressive to watch. So one day I was watching our son, our oldest son Gideon, he's playing with Daisy with this ball. He's bouncing the ball against the wall and she's catching it and he's bouncing it and she's catching it and they're just doing this forever. And I thought to myself, you know, 
I think I want to get Daisy an even better toy, something that's just going to be so epic, like she's going to absolutely love it. So I go to the store, and I come home with this. I mean, look at this. It's awesome. It's colorful. It's pretty. But more than that, it's also got a ball on it that she can, you know, tear up and play with. We could throw this thing and she could play fetch with it. We can play tug of war with it. One of the things that you need to know about Daisy is that she loves to chew up every single one of her stuffed animals that we get her. And she loves to chew on rope and chew on anything. So she could chew on this thing to her heart's content and it's going to hold up. I mean, this is awesome. And so I'm excited to come home and bring it to her, right? And so I come home that day, I open up the door, and I'm like, Daisy! And here comes Daisy. She comes running across the, the floor to me, right? And what does she have in her mouth as she's approaching me? She's got her ball. That ball right there. And I'm like, Daisy, drop the ball. And she's like, no. And I'm like, come on, Daisy, just drop the ball. She's like, no. Right? Why? Because she believes that this is her most treasured possession. She doesn't want to let this thing go, right? But what she doesn't understand is that I want her to drop the ball because I've got something so much better. It's like, Daisy, trust me, drop the ball and I will give you so much better. And God is doing the same thing for us. He's saying, hey, drop the ball. I've got something so much better for you. It's what Jesus was trying to tell us. In fact, Jesus says in another place, he says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations say fullest, some say abundantly. It's like Jesus is walking in the door right now, walking in the door wherever you're at, and he's going, here it is. Here's the life that I want to give you. It's right here. And all the while, we're sitting there holding on to the life that we have. And here's the dilemma. In order to grab hold of the life that Jesus wants to give you, you're going to have to let go of the life that you are holding on to. I mean, you have an option. You can hold on to this life. You can hold on to the life that you've got, the life that is your most treasured possession, the life that you think is just absolutely amazing. You can hold on to it. Or you can do what a lot of us do, myself included. This is a challenge for me as well. You can do what a lot of us do. We go back and forth. In some areas of our life, we like to hold on to this. In other areas of our life, we'll, we'll take hold of the life that God has for us. We'll be a percentage follower, you know, kind of going back and forth between the two. But if we do that, God is going to be so sad because the truth is that there is a life that God wants to give you. There's a life that God wants to give you. And if you could just see the life that God has for you, if you could see just how absolutely epic and adventurous and amazing and just unbelievable, the love-filled, passion-filled, joy-filled, just the epic life that God has for you. If you could see what God sees when he sees the life that's in front of you, if you could see the person that he sees you becoming, if you could see the things that he sees you accomplishing, if you could see the places he sees you going, if you could see the people he sees you making an impact on, if you could see the mountains that he sees you climbing, if you could see the valleys that he sees you coming through, if you could see the, the change that he sees you making in the world when he looks at your life, you would realize that God has the most amazing life that he is holding holding out to you, and it is not just a life on this earth, but it is a life that goes on into eternity forever and ever, even beyond death. And so here's the question that we have to wrestle with today. How much of your life do you want to hang out with this? I mean, in what areas of your life do you want to hold on to this? 
Like, do you want to hold on to this when it comes to your thoughts, your actions, your finances, the way you treat people? How much of your life do you want to hold on to this instead of grabbing hold of this? If you're in your 20s, your 30s today, how much of your 20s and 30s do you want to spend here? If you're in your 50s, how much do you want to spend here? How much of your life do you want to hold on to the life that you're treasuring so much to miss out on the life that God has for you? Because the truth is this, the moment you find your life is the moment you give up your life to Jesus. Because when we choose to drop the ball, our hands are now free to take hold of the life that God has for us. And that is why it's worth it. That is the answer to the question of why it's worth it. When things get, when following Jesus feels unpopular, when it feels difficult, when it feels risky, when it feels inconvenient, you can look at the life that God is holding out for you and you can go, I don't want half of it. I don't want 80% of it. I want 100% of it. God, I am all in today. I am all in. And I think maybe for many of you that are watching today, you might be at a crossroads. Maybe today you're watching and you would say you're not a Christian. Maybe you just stumbled in here from a video that was on Facebook or you were here at the invite of a friend and you would say, yeah, I'm not a Christian, but I'm interested. Or maybe you've been exploring what it might look like to be a Christian for a while. You've been deciding what that might look like for you for a while, and all of a sudden, you find yourself face-to-face -face with a God that loves you. You find yourself face-to-face -face with a God that was thinking about you before you were ever thinking about him. You, you found a God that gave up his son to die for you so that you could have life to the fullest before you ever even cared about him. And today, the challenge for you is this, you gotta drop the ball for the first time and finally decide, yeah, I believe and I'm gonna follow Jesus. Jesus, I believe you and I want to follow you. By the way, that's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian doesn't mean that you go to church or you go to certain events or you say the right things or do the right things. Being a Christian just means I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop the ball of my own life that I'm gonna give up the life that I have because I believe that the life that Jesus is offering me is better. I believe that Jesus died for me to have his life. That's what being a Christian means. So what do you say? What do you say about dropping the ball today? What do you say? And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute, but before I do, I wanna to talk to the Christians that are watching today. Because for you, you might be at a similar crossroads. Your crossroads might not be choosing to follow Jesus for the first time, but your crossroads might be to give up certain areas of your life that you are holding on to, to grab hold of the life that Jesus is offering you. Some of you are Christians out there, you're watching and you're going, you know what, I have been standing at the top of my own cliff for far too long. It is time for me to take that jump and take that leap and go deep. And so if that's you today, if you're saying, yeah, I need to choose to follow Jesus for the first time, 
or you're saying, I'm already following Jesus, but I'm not following him in every area and I'm ready to be 100% in, I wanna invite you to pray with me. And you can close your eyes or you can stare at the floor, you can stare at me on your screen, whatever you need to do. But today may be the day that you need to drop the ball and be all in in following Jesus. And so I wanna invite you to do that. If that's you, just say this, just say this, just say, hey Jesus, I'm in. I realize that you're holding out life to me that's better than any life I could possibly imagine, and I want it. I want that. I don't want 5% of it. I don't want 40% of it, 80%. I don't even want 99%. I want 100% of the life that you are offering me. I believe that you gave up your life to give me mine. And I want that today. Just say that in your own head, your own heart. God, I pray for those that are watching today that are at that crossroads and they're trying to figure out how to drop the ball. Those that are choosing to drop the ball for the first time and follow you, those that uh, maybe have followed you a hundred times and just are saying, I need to follow him a hundred times more in every area of my life. God, I pray that you would give them the confidence and the courage that they need to make that decision in every moment, every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of their lives, myself included, that you would help me take that big jump in areas where it's a challenge, where it feels unpopular, difficult, and risky, and inconvenient for all of us. I pray that you would help us to take that jump because it is worth it to land in the deep waters of the life that you are offering us today. I pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I just want to remind you one more time. God is offering out a life to you. You are standing at the top of a cliff and you have an opportunity to jump and be all in to what God is offering you in this life and beyond. So I want to look you in the eyes today and say this. I dare you.